Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. People don't like to talk about dying. And they don't like to talk about cancer either. I think it's almost as if they talk about it, then it'll happen to them. Which is not how cancer works. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what to say if one of my friends' parents got diagnosed with an illness. Like, how on earth at 21, 22 are you expected to know what to say to a friend whose parents dying? It's not something you've ever had to deal with before. Tell me about your blog. Um, I started it a couple of years ago, very, very sporadically, and then more recently have been much more focused with it. And I think it's, I realised that, People don't have to listen to you. But if you have a platform and you use your voice on that platform, then people might listen to you. I kind of feel like I have the power to write what I want to write and I can send it to people that I want to send it to. Your blog, I guess, has become somewhat of a community for people who may not be able to talk about certain issues in other places. I know that you've been writing a lot about your mum. Mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer last February, so February 2014. Um, and when she was diagnosed, I kind of did the typical thing of going onto Google and searching, what does this mean? What's out there? What do I do? Help. Um, and I found a fair amount of resources for people related to cancer sufferers mainly in the form of things for parents of children with cancer or spouses of someone with cancer or very young children of a parent with cancer and I couldn't really find anything for people my age sort of 18 to 25 who were going through this situation um, there was nothing about do I stay at uni do I go home do I hang out with my friends on a weekend or do I hang out with my mum do I put my life on hold or do I carry on as normal? And there have been really difficult decisions that we've had to make around that. And it just felt very isolating. I just wanted somebody else to be there to kind of say, I've been through it as well. This is how I went through it. And I'm not, I didn't speak about it for a long, long time. Like my close friends knew, um, and the relevant people at uni knew, but not sort of general people like you. Um, and it came out a little bit more in October when mum was in hospital and again in November when mum was in hospital. And then in February, mum deteriorated very, very quickly and we thought we were going to lose her. And so I had to take a lot of time off uni. Um, when I say a lot of time, it was only about a week, week and a half and then going home on weekends. Um, but that really impacted on my studying and also... When you're away for that long, you have to sort of begin to tell people why. So we opened up about it a lot more and I began speaking about it to people. And eventually I decided that I wanted to blog about it. And I actually started over the general election where a lot of people were bad-mouthing the NHS and things like that. And the NHS has been so amazing to us. 
that I just didn't think that was right. So I made a video saying thank you to the NHS and stressing the importance of of it and of free healthcare, um, especially in the run-up to the general election. And I was really, really overwhelmed with the response to that video. It got rather big, <laughs> which I didn't really expect. And people started talking about it and coming up to me and saying how they'd been through a similar situation and they could really relate to it. So I decided to sort of start writing about it. And through writing about it, the Huffington Post picked it up and now I write on there and I've had tweets from people and emails from people who've been in a similar situation and have said the same thing to me that they went immediately to Google when they found out that a loved one was was very unwell and that there was just nothing there. So people are beginning to speak about it and share their experiences and it's really humbling when people share their story with me because it's not an easy thing to do and a lot of these people won't have spoken about it in that much detail to anyone because you don't speak about it to people who you don't think will understand because it's so difficult to talk about so it's really beginning to build up now and a lot of people are beginning to approach me and that's something that's really special and I think hopefully will continue to grow. So do you think it's made it easier for you to talk about your own experiences and for you to come to terms with what your family is going through and what your mum is going through? I think it's made me much more blase and blunt about it, which (laughs) (laughs) um, some people are like, what did you just say? (laughs) Um, I was chatting to a friend the other day and she was kind of saying, uh, why are you... Uh, one of my exams I'm taking in August rather than taking through the exam period and she was kind of like why are you taking the exam then and I was like oh well you know when mum tried to die um, I was off you for a bit and she was like what? <laughs> I was like yes and, you know I had to go home she was like well you're very sort of cool about it and I was like well you know life happens and we deal with that so I would say that on on the uh, on the factual side and on the, the open side of things I'm definitely much more blase about it than previously which people actually tend to really warm to some people are a little bit sort of put out about it to begin with but then they kind of say well if you're cool with it then I'm cool with it um and I think writing has helped me process things a little bit more and there's a lot of things I haven't processed and it's going to take a very long time to come to terms with everything and to deal with everything because it's a really big thing to go through and some things are more difficult than others and I've not spoken about my mum was in hospital yet. Um, I've not spoken about when, how we dealt with it when she first got diagnosed yet. I've not spoken about quite a lot of things which I struggle to deal with more yet. And I imagine that that will come within the next few months, but I have to guard myself as well and I don't want to put everything out there, um, especially as I'm going through it. I tend to prefer to write things after I've processed them a little bit because it is a real situation and it is what's happening. But equally, I think it's important to get that real message out there because I'm really, really bored of glamorised cancer stories in the media and of people being portrayed either as a fighter or as a tragedy um, because that's not the reality. And I think that's always quite harmful to people who are going through it because you expect one thing. And that's not what happens. <laughs> so I guess it's really, it, it is cathartic for me to write and to process it 
but also I just want to make others aware who are in a similar situation that not to expect it to be as it is on My Sister's Keeper or The Faults of My Stars or any of those other books and stories that you read um, about cancer. I think when mum first lost her hair to chemo, like me and my brother just sat there in the kitchen all day with her for a good half an hour discussing what patterns we could paint on her head. And my dad was there like, you are not painting patterns on your mum's head. And we were like, well, we could get a purple wig or we could do a Union Jack for like, I think it was the Tour de France at the time. We were like, we could paint yellow. <laughs> my dad was like, you are not doing these things. And what did your mum reckon? <laughs> my mum's well up for joking with us. Like, she's, you know, she's, my mum's worked in palliative medicine all of her life, um, which is end of life care. So she kind of, goes along with it with us and you know will be fairly fairly chilled about it which is quite nice um, her line of work must have given her a lot of insight into what she's going through but man I I don't think anything can actually prepare you for going through it yourself have you spoken to her about that um not in detail because it's not something that she really speaks about I've kind of I've, I've said to my dad you know his mum Mum seems really chilled about all of this. Is she scared or worried or anything like that? And he said that my parents both religious. Um, and he said that her belief is that God gave her an amount of time and she's lived that amount of time to the full, which I think is a really nice way of looking at it. And it's amazing how peaceful she is with that. But also she is very in control of her condition. Um, she knows the medicine behind it, you know, she's worked in it for years, she understands all the technical terms, she knows the people who are treating her, she's in the same hospital where she's grown up full of, well, grown up, kind of, has been for the past 20 odd years, and for me personally, I sort of take some comfort in the fact that I think it's quite nice that the thing that she's worked in for 20 odd years is now helping her and is now treating her, and I think it's quite nice that what she's put her life into is now helping her at the end of her life. Do you know how much time your mum has left, Naomi? Who knows? <laughs> My mum likes to just defy all expectations and keep us on our toes. So <laughs> she um, she was in hospital in last October because she was on chemo and it destroyed all of her immune system and she got a bug. And then the same thing happened in November. And then in February, you know, she went in for the same thing that she'd been in for before. And all of a sudden she went from one day being absolutely fine to the next day kind of slurring a lot and being very confused and telling me about weird things on the wall. Um, to the next day only being able to use words and then being in a coma for a couple of days. And then everybody thought she was going to die and we all kind of said our goodbyes. And, and then she woke up. <laughs> And we didn't think she'd regain mobility or things like that. And now she's tottering around the house and <laughs> going out for lunch with her friends. And and she's not regained full mobility and she does sleep for a long time. And she's on medication and things like that. She's not on any active treatment at the moment. She had, she had radiotherapy last week for pain and things like that. But I guess it could be one more trip into hospital and it could be very quick or it could be a slow deterioration. When she was first diagnosed, we were told it could be anything between four weeks and four years. So <laughs> that's a fairly long time span to give people. 
And I know others will. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The similar condition, it's been very quick or it's not so quick, so... Who knows? She likes to keep us um, busy. And it, I find that really difficult because if, if we knew it was going to be a week, we'd all go home. If we knew it was going to be a year, then we'd not go home and we'd continue with life. But given that we don't know, we just have to make the most of all the time that we have and try and keep things as normal as possible because if it's four years and you take time out of life for four years, it's going to be very difficult to get back into life again. How do you make the most of the time that you guys have then? I think it's just being aware that when we're with her, that that's special. We don't do things like go for a trip to Autumn Towers every weekend or go on a Caribbean holiday or somewhere or anything like that. For me, it's the, it's the little things that I'm going to miss. It's things like watching Wimbledon together and eating strawberries or just spending a Friday night in, watching a film and eating chocolate or... I mean, mum, mum doesn't do the family shop anymore, but it would have been things like going around the supermarket with her and persuading her to buy things that we wouldn't normally buy. And all those things that you've done with your mum for all the years that everybody does with their mum, but that is something you only do with your mum. So I can go on holiday with friends, but I'm not going to go supermarket shopping with my friends. Asking her if I buy something when I need to, even if that's what back to sun cream do I need today? Um, or things like that and I guess it's just appreciating those moments and trying to remember those moments even if it is literally just sitting there watching TV and chatting it's just spending quality time with your mum and I guess I'm really lucky that I've got that because a lot of people don't have the chance to have that time we've got the time to to do that whereas if she died very suddenly we wouldn't have the time to do that and to ask things we wanted to ask so do you think about things that you might want to ask your mum in the future when maybe she's not around? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How are you supposed to ask everything that you want to ask for the next 40 years? Like, I don't know what I'm going to want to ask tomorrow, never mind in 10 years' time. And there's some things you can't ask now. Like, I'm going to, if I ever get married, I'm going to want to know what my mum thinks of my wedding dress. But given that I've not picked that out yet and I do have a mum, I can't really ask her that. <laughs> One of the things that I first panicked about when she was diagnosed was if I ever have kids, like, what do I do? Because obviously that's something that you really go through with your mum um, as a girl. And it's something my brothers aren't really going to have to experience as much. I was really worried. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be all by myself when I get married or have kids or anything like that. And like, like some of my friends were like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's fine. But 
I think it's just if something pops into your head, then just to ask it. Um, and I've had a discussion with my mum about what would she want us to do at a funeral or things like that because we don't know what people would want. So we've had a little bit of a discussion around that. But I don't think you can prepare for what's your years. You know, when I'm 45 and something comes up and I need my mum, I'll probably have a bit of a cry about it because she's not there and I can't ask her. And I'll adapt to it. But you can't prepare yourself for the rest of your life. You can't ask every question you're ever going to want to ask because how can I possibly know what I'm going to want to ask in a few years' time? So do you allow yourself to think about when your mum actually does die because at the moment you're, you're you're really you're really focusing on the time that she has um which is brilliant it, it must do you must think about what will you do how will you feel how will you act when she was very very ill I began to think about it a little bit so I began to think about things like I need a hug right now and my mum isn't here to give me a hug right now but I really struggle to think about it and I can abstractly think about the future in terms that hopefully at some point I'll have a job and a house and things like that but I struggle to think about the future in the fact that I should be graduating next year and mum might not be there. I know that cognitively but I don't think I've accepted that emotionally yet and I don't really think about the future in solid terms or in emotional terms I think about it in very very abstract or kind of factual terms um so factors in I will hopefully get a job but not in if I go for a job interview and it goes really badly I won't be able to ring my mum <laughs> so I struggle to think about that and I struggle to think about a life without mum because I can't imagine it because I've never had a life without her I think that's something that's going to take a lot of processing for a very long time. It's going to take a long time to get over, and it's not just the fact that my mum's dying, it's the fact that she's dying of cancer. And when she was in hospital in February, that was quite a traumatic thing. Um, it's never nice to see somebody like you love being ill, but it's very difficult when there's somebody who you've always seen as being much bigger than you, and then they're in hospital bed and they're unresponsive. And that's something that I've not yet got over, and it's not something I've discussed in detail with anybody yet and it's something that I think back to a lot but I haven't processed and it's going to take a long long time to process. Every single person in my family is dealing with this in a different way, every single person in my extended family is dealing with it in a different way and I think it's just about being aware of that with each other and not pushing each other into talking about things we don't want to speak about and I am much more talky than anyone else in my family I think. and my way of dealing with it is to talk about it and it is to try and understand it. And I really like to know the biology behind what's going on. Um, I want to know the facts. I want to understand the disease and how that affects a person. I want to know the pragmatics of everything. And I'm very practical. I like kind of plans with things, whereas my brothers are different. And that's okay. It's just managing that with each other and being there for each other and if being there for each other means going and buying three packs of jammy dodgers and then sitting down in front of a really rubbish film one evening, then that's what he means. <laughs> what yeah. if, What about your dad, Naomi? How's he doing? Um, he's doing okay at the moment. I think. I think it's not. You know, he's got 
three kids who are losing their mum. He's got everybody wanting to know how mum is. Um, some of that comes through me because people don't want to go through my dad and I'm the eldest child, so I get some of that. Um, and a lot of it comes through my dad. He's absolutely incredible at keeping everybody informed, not being overly intrusive, keeping everyone informed without having a deluge of visitors or without panicking everybody, keeping on top of the house, um, looking after the three of us, driving us to and from uni and to and from train stations. And he's just absolutely incredible. Um, and Dad and I actually have most of our conversations in the car. I think we both find it easier to speak in the car because we're doing something and we don't have to look at each other. <laughs> and um, we've always trusted in the car, really, especially going to and from uni. So that's the place where we tend to speak more um, or over text or over email. And he's been just amazing at keeping life normal for the three of us. And especially with my brother and I, he's been so good at identifying when we need to come back from uni and when it's not important for us to come back. And he honestly couldn't be doing a better job. Like, if there was a how to deal with your spouse having cancer and everything going wrong, then he could write that book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because obviously everyone deals with it in different ways and every situation is different, but I can't think of anything that he could have done better in the whole situation. You must be very proud of him then. Telling us, yeah, like, it's not something anyone should have to deal with. Um, there's no how-to guide, and you have no idea how people are going to react. But he's just been so good at letting us deal with it, how we want to deal with it. And if we want to be at uni this weekend, then be at uni. And if you want to be at home, then come home. And just very, very chilled about it. Um, I don't think he realises how much he has done and how amazing he is being. So if you listen to this, then hello. <laughs> So, Naomi, what advice would you give to an, another young person who maybe has found out that their parent is terminally ill? What What would you say to them? I think, well, first and foremost, and I'm really bad at this, so this is a very difficult thing to say, but first and foremost is looking after yourself because it's a difficult time and you need to make sure that you're trying to sleep and trying to eat, even though that might be difficult. Um, and that if you wake up from morning and you've been really upset that morning and you've got uni at 10 o'clock but it's half past nine and you've been upset it's been looking like that before then it's alright it's not going to be uni that day and people understand and actually the first thing to do when you first get a diagnosis is to sit down with somebody who can use their brain at that moment in time because you probably won't be able to and to make a list of all the people who you need to tell and then write a sort of standard email and send it out to the people who need to know. So for me, that took a week, and it was letting people know, like my supervisor at university and my college at university and my GP and things like that. Um, and it took a good week to get that sorted, and I just took a break for a week from everything and made that happen because once people know, it's much easier to say, I need this morning off, or I'm afraid I can't do that right now, or my head's wearing that space right now. 
And for me, I did that with a welfare chief, sir. We sat there for a good two, three, four hours, and I just cried on her. Um, and we processed things, and we chatted about things, and she helped me kind of write out what I needed to write out. And that was the first week, and I can't remember very much else than that first week, other than letting people know, letting my flatmates know, letting some of my friends know. So, Naomi, can you tell people where they can find your blog? Yeah, so my blog is currently at storiesofayoungvolunteer.wordpress.com, which is a really, really long name. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of a shorter one that I can use. That'll be easier to remember. But that's what it is at the moment. <laughs> well, keep us posted if you change it. I will do. <laughs>